Hello, and welcome to the Plant-Based Liberty Podcast, the official podcast of the LP Plant-Based Caucus. On this podcast, we'll talk with guests and explore where a plant-based lifestyle meets libertarian philosophy and so much more. We believe people have the right to freedom when it comes to what they eat, but they deserve to hear the other side of the story from our perspectives. And with that, here's the Plant-Based Liberty Podcast. Hey guys, thank you for joining us on another episode of Plant-Based Liberty. On this week's episode, we spoke with Darcy Miller, who is a gluten-free, plant-based personal chef and baker in the Florida Panhandle. Her company is called Nature Baker, but she just recently closed her storefront to focus more on her personal chef business. We spoke with her about her journey to becoming gluten-free and plant-based, as well as about her business and why she decided to start Nature Baker. Towards the end of our conversation, we talked about what might be causing people to have more allergies now than ever before and what we can do to prevent them. We hope you enjoy this episode as much as we did. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode three of the Plant-Based Liberty podcast. My name is Plant-Based Matt. And I'm Jessica. And today we are talking with Darcy Miller. How are you doing today, Darcy? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we're really excited to have you. You know, I know we met a few months ago at your storefront, Nature Baker, for one of our plant-based events. And uh, you had shared with us your journey to going gluten-free and plant-based. So definitely wanted to have you on our podcast and kind of talk about your journey. And uh, so I thought we could start by... uh, would you let us know what was your lifestyle like before you went gluten-free and plant-based? Yeah, yeah, it was very, well, it was very different. Um, To be honest, my lifestyle before I went gluten-free and plant-based was much more mentally and physically taxing. Um, Leading up to making the decision to change my lifestyle, I struggled with a lot of dermal, like dermatology issues, um, such as hives, skin breakouts, rashes all over my body. And at the time I didn't know what that was about. So, um, now looking back, I realized like my skin was just suffering (laughs) and, um, you know, beyond that, it was just a constant battle to try and figure out what was triggering all these things. Like mentally, I felt like I was in a fog a lot of the time and fatigued pretty much like 24 hours out of the day. And I didn't know why. And I would use caffeine to help step up my energy. But overall, it was like I was floating around in a dream trying to wake up. And emotionally, um, I often kind of wondered, you know, if my lack of energy was because I was depressed or if something was wrong deeper. But I knew, I just knew that something wasn't right and I couldn't put my finger on it. 
So, you know, before I became gluten-free and plant-based, I struggled with that. I struggled with, you know, gastrointestinal issues. I struggled just kind of knowing what was going on. It was all such a riddle for me and I couldn't figure it out. So I just tried to maintain a positive attitude and keep pushing through. But yeah, so that was was kind of me prior to becoming gluten-free and plant-based. And then, you know, I went into that transition. You know, um, it was, it was very difficult to transition. Um, but emotionally I knew I had to do it. What would you say the hardest thing was for you to have to make that transition? Um, I think it was the mental transition because, you know, at the time this was, gosh, this was 10 years ago for me, but at the time I felt like I had really limited options and that there wasn't going to be anything left for me to choose from food wise. But once I got over, you know, that initial period, the depression, I guess you would call it, it, it really started lifting. And it's like once, once the gluten was really out of my body, which took about three weeks, I would say, I started seeing it in a different perspective. I started seeing that I had resources. I started seeing that I was going to have to put a little bit of work in, but that there were options out there. I just had to change my lens of thinking. So that was the hardest part was really just me understanding that I had options and actually realizing that, you know, these resources were there for me. And it wasn't like I was never going to be able to eat anything again, which is what it felt (laughs) like at first. You know? Yeah, I definitely get that. When we first went uh, vegan, it was like when you go to the grocery store, you're like, oh gosh, I'm not going to be able to find anything. Yeah. But then, like, once your yeah. lens is set on that stuff, it's like, oh wow, there's actually quite a bit I can eat. Yeah, there is. It's just you don't see it until until you open your eyes to see it. Yeah. <laughs> so. I would ask, um, so what were some of the most helpful resources you found when you're making the lifestyle change? And um, was there anything that you found shocking that you didn't know before that you feel everyone should know about? Um, I think for me, food bloggers were a huge help for me. Food bloggers and dedicated cookbooks, um, you know, to take the time to blog, to take the time to podcast, to photograph, to formulate recipes, that's just not for wannabes. That's for people who truly care or truly putting in the work to understand the issue. Um, so when I transitioned, I just started researching like crazy on the web and finding these incredible individuals who had created these blogs and were sharing all of their resources pretty much for free. And I started to kind of trust them and I started to try out recipes and you could tell right away which bloggers really put in the work and develop successful tools and which ones were just copying and pasting. Like you could see the difference. And once I found like that handful of vegan and gluten-free bloggers who formulated recipes and approaches and tools and hacks, I held on to them so tight. And I followed them and I learned from them. And then I started to develop some confidence to start doing it myself. So really the bloggers were hugely 
impactful for me because I didn't feel alone and I felt like I had resources. And then the cookbooks were like just another element of educating me to understand what I had to do. That would be the most helpful resources. Even to this day, there's so many bloggers out there, but I still go back to like my my top five that really helped me. And they still continue to serve me in beautiful ways that I couldn't even think of. So that that's really special to me. Is there one in particular that sticks out? Oh gosh. Um, well, I've always, I've always loved minimalist Baker. She's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, She's, she's not entirely vegan now, but she's from the beginning. She has been, and oh my gosh. So, you know, then Jess, she's just awesome. Um, I, uh, detoxinista has never failed me. Um, you know, I really, really love serious eats. They actually have it. Serious eats is like related to the food lab. Um, and like, you know, America's test kitchen. So they really go through the scientific approach. And even though they're not plant-based, p- excuse me, plant-based and gluten-free solely, they have some authors who are that focus on that, on that reps of like, the details behind gluten-free science, which really can help you out when you're trying to make, you know, your child's 10th birthday cake. You know, like there there are things that you don't want to flop. You know, you want to know the experts and what they have to say about it. So like Serious Eats is really cool because they will test it out a million times. And you know that if you follow their instructions, it's going to turn out. So that's like one of those tried and true ones I love as well. Now, I can't remember. Did you say you went gluten-free because of your kids? I originally went gluten-free because, like I said, when I was in that fog and kind of that mental low, which can be very much associated with gluten, you know, the distress of your emotions and your moods, um, I was also trying to conceive, and it had been a pretty difficult time for my husband and I. So going gluten-free was pretty much the result after over a year, almost two years of trying to conceive and being unsuccessful and going to, you know, fertility options and such. I, as a last-ditch effort, got allergy tested and found out I was allergic, highly allergic to wheat. So in that moment, I tried everything else. In that moment, I decided to cut it out of my diet immediately. And my next cycle, I got pregnant. So literally less than a month later, I got pregnant after two years of trying. So for me, yeah, for me, that was my first light bulb moment. And from there, so many other great things happened. My brain fog started to go away. You know, initially I was depressed for a week or two because I felt like I couldn't eat anything. But my brain fog went away. My energy shot up. I lost a little weight before I started gaining it all back when I was pregnant, you know, but like it, everything just got better. And it, and it was like that moment where I was like, have I been allergic this whole time? You know, like my skin stopped breaking out. Yeah. So that's, that's why I went gluten-free. But then from there, it just so many other circumstances in my life, having children and everything just kept pointing to the, to the fact that gluten was not good for my family. And it still does to this day in ways that I wouldn't have predicted. Like my husband just recently 
started reacting strongly to gluten. So like all of us are gluten-free in our family except for him. And now he is too. And it's like, wow, you know, you wouldn't have called it that 20 years later, he now oh, is allergic wow. as well. But I, I think I, I think I kind of saw it coming, honestly, <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's great. So did you have any pushback from any of your friends? I know you said your husband just recently went gluten-free. Um, any other family members that gave you a hard time about making this change? Yeah, a lot of family members. Um, well, my son, for one, he he was, when he was younger, he wasn't shooting up in height. His hair wasn't growing. You know, I was newly gluten-free. He was almost two years old and not really talking. Well, finally, you know, it hit me. I should get him tested as well. And it turns out he was allergic. And the moment we cut it out, his hair shot up, his height shot up. He started talking, like all the things that they were concerned about just went away. So it was like, it was, it was inhibiting his growth as a little guy. And that, that happened with my son. Yeah. And, and it's hard because you look back as a parent and you think I should have thought of this, but there's so, there's so many angles that you're trying to navigate as you parent your first child that you can't be so hard on yourself. It's a process and understanding what works for every person's body. But I know that for my family, it is gluten's not a good thing. And now, even in my extended family, I'm seeing how gluten's affecting um, behaviors and certain conditions, and we're navigating it together. So it's just this constant unpeeling of the layers of the onion, I feel, when it comes to gluten. You never know. You never kind of know what impact it's going to have next on, on the people you care about. Yeah. So did you go gluten-free and plant-based at the same time? Or was that something you kind of figured out after going gluten-free? You were like, oh, there might be something to going plant-based too. Yeah. Yeah. So like, so like, um, I went gluten-free. That was the big eye opener. And then right around the time of my second child, um, who had severe allergies, more so than my first child who had the gluten allergy. But my second child, he had so many allergies and we didn't know where to start. He was just itching, almost bloody every night from scratching himself. Like it was just hard not knowing what was causing it and trying to figure it out through tests. But it essentially what happened was right after the wake of my second pregnancy with my son, I started noticing that when I would drink milk and I was breastfeeding at the time, when I would drink milk, he would break out. And so that was like the clue, the initial clue that something was wrong. So I continued, I cut out, I cut out the milk, I cut out the lactose while I was breastfeeding. But when I stopped breastfeeding, I started drinking my cappuccinos again and I started thinking, oh, you know, I can have my dairy again. Well, sure enough, I had a horrific um, reaction that made me so sick. I was losing a ton of weight and just very weak. And I found out that on the wake of my second pregnancy, I became lactose intolerant, which can happen. Yeah, it's very common for moms to develop allergies after their pregnancies because their body has completely shifted. 
Um, their organs have been moved around. It's, it's actually really common. So I didn't know that. I thought honestly that I was dying because I could not keep anything down. And it was really hard to do that having two little ones. So I, I discovered I was lactose intolerant. And at the same time, my husband had made the decision that he wanted to be plant-based. So it all just kind of went hand in hand. He's an endurance athlete and I am an endurance mom. And so we just went into it together. And from that point, we never turned back. It was our family is plant-based and it served us so well that there was just, there was no questioning it. And what's so crazy is we were in an area in the South where all you see is dairy. So it was very, very difficult for a while, but we just knew that's what we had to do. Yeah, that's um, that's an understatement. <laughs> dairy and meat is um, very prevalent here. Mm-hmm. Um, so you said, I mean, you talked about a lot of the improvements that happened in your life uh, specifically. Um, did you have any challenges? Um, like maybe, you know, sticking with it or finding things that were plant-based and gluten-free, just stuff like that? Um, not so much personally, because I think when you're older, you can, you can deal with it with, you know, the food not looking perfect or adjusting to the taste. But the challenge of helping my children enjoy food that was plant-based and gluten-free, that, that was the biggest challenge because they, there was just so much, um, exclusion for them. Mm -hmm. It was like, I was trying my hardest to help them feel included, but whenever they would go to school or whenever there would be a birthday party or whenever there would be a lunchbox or a, a muffins with mom, they couldn't eat what everybody else was bringing. And it wasn't, I mean, part of it was by choice. Yes. And a lifestyle choice, but a huge part of it was for safety. And so when you're two, three, four years old, it's really hard to discern why you can't have the same cupcake as your friends. And it's really disheartening because, you know, kids want to be included. That's a huge mm-hmm. deal. That's a, that's a big part of the psychology of being a child is to feel included. So like the biggest challenge for me was helping them feel included helping them feel special, but still providing something that's safe and delicious, like trying to make it all combine into one so that my babies also have a great experience along with all the other children. I would say that was definitely the biggest challenge. So did they, so what ages did they start to eat this way? Like did, how long were they on like the standard? Uh, um, well, the stand, okay, gluten-free was from the beginning because of okay. once I found out, once I found out my eldest was allergic, it was out. So that was like at two years of age, we were all gluten-free. But the dairy-free plant-based was when my youngest was about to turn three and my eldest was still four. So the ages of three and four, we turned it around, which is, you That's know, that awesome. pivotal young age. Yeah, to to be incorporating it. And I don't think it would have been as difficult had we not been in an environment where it was very traditionally Southern. And, Hmm. you know, (laughs) I don't know how else to say it, but like there were not 
it was not very normal, you know, air quote normal to <laughs> eat anything that did not have sugar or dairy or cheese or butter, you know, like it just wasn't, yeah. it wasn't usual. So at that young of an age, the kids did really well at, at being open to it, but their entire environment was not like that. So it was obvious. Yeah, that's the one thing I worry about with when we're ready to have children is, you know, keeping this lifestyle and putting them in environments where it's not, you know, the norm. And it, it is very difficult out in the real world to eat this way. And um, mm-hmm. I just hope, I hope we can come to a point where it is a little more normal, you know, to yeah. eat like this and people care about their health to, you know, put good nutritious food into their bodies. That's, um, I just think that's huge. And, mm-hmm. you know, I commend you for doing this for your kids. And I just, I hope it does get better. I mean, I'm sure that you've been able to kind of educate parents um, along the way as well. Most certainly. Yeah, I'm grateful that, I'm grateful that, um, I can serve to be a voice of experience and not a voice of judgment with parents. It's important to me that others can feel that, you know, experience is the greatest teacher. And, you know, we all don't have to make mistakes 20 million times. There's a community out there that can help share some successes and, and some losses and, and learn from them together. That's, that's essentially the goal. 100%. Yeah. Well, So I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, I want you to kind of tell us a little bit more about your company, Nature Baker, and why you started it. Well, I think um, Nature Baker was definitely started in part due to my children's allergies, you know, of course. But I think it was also started because um, I I felt a bigger calling and a bigger purpose to help people. And at the time, I was a full-time teacher, and I was learning how to navigate this new journey on the side as a parent and as a, a an individual and as a wife. And so for me, doing all of that was a whole lot, and I really wanted to dedicate myself to really understanding better how I could feed my babies. So like Nature Baker essentially was started in part due to the fact that I really had limited resources in the in the the little town I was living in at the time um, in North Alabama, there weren't a whole lot of resources, and the ones I thought I could trust ended up making my son break out in hives as well. So it was like I just gotta I gotta start from scratch here. So like part of that was I started it really out of the need to support my family. But the other part was that I felt that there was a calling to help people at a deeper level when it came to food. It's just the most nourishing element of my life in in my family's bodies. And I just had this deeper drive to, to investigate and to understand how to better that for my community. So it was kind of twofold. I think it was really resilience and, and love and getting getting more help for my family, but also wanting to share it with the community. Love that. Yeah. And it's completely allergen free, right? It's yeah. I mean, free. there's more and more allergens popping up every day. So not completely, but the top eight food allergens 
We try to stay 100% away from refined sugars. Every now and then there may be an exception and a little sprinkle that we don't make ourselves. And we always 100% are transparent about that because the whole premise of this is to be transparent um, so that other people can feel safe and trusting of what we make. So yeah, yeah, allergen friendly for sure, um, but also nutritious and also beautiful. You know, you you want kids and adults alike to feel that there's value in what they're eating in all the senses, not just not just the health component, but the taste yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, so you, you talked about it a little bit, but. Um, what would you say is the most rewarding part of starting Nature Baker and your um, you know, catering business and everything that mm-hmm. you do? Um, I would just say, I would just say the most rewarding part is meeting individuals who who feel a sense of hope, who who reignite. Just seeing the reigniting of hope. Is, is extremely rewarding because, you know, it's just, I've been, I've been there. Um, I've been in, in some dark places where it feels like there's nothing you can do to truly get better again when it comes to being sick. So when I meet people or children, I mean, adults or children who feel like they actually found something and that there's a chance that they could enjoy food again, or they could feel better. Like to me, that is the most rewarding thing, especially with kids. I have to admit I'm partial to kids. Like I, I really love when a child can eat something that we've made, even though they're super, super nervous and they trust me enough to try a bite and they like it. That's huge. Because, you know, they're still building their trust. They're still building their whole sense of the world. And they've been burned a couple times and they're scared. So like food is, food's a beautiful, a beautiful vessel to build hope in a community. And I would say that that's really the most gratifying element of what I do with Nature Baker. Do you get uh, parents who are very skeptical about the whole plant-based, especially for their children. And they're like, oh, they're going to lack nutrients and all this kind of stuff. Do you ever hear that feedback when you're trying to uh, Yeah, to you parents? know, well, I mean, I don't think I do as much outreach as I probably should. If I meet parents, usually they are already on the train and completely grateful and happy that I'm providing a product. You know, That's they're kind of my people. Yeah, they're my people and they've found me. Um, but I've gotten people, yeah, that have been skeptical more so than anything, just kind of the price you have to pay to be healthy and source these kind of foods. That I would say is the most skepticism is like, how on earth is this going to cost me this much? And it's like, I get it. I totally get it. It's way more expensive than your regular donut or your regular granola bar, you know? So, like, Giving that kind of education and kind of helping them understand what the ingredients are that they're about to eat and what the actual protein content and source is and all these beautiful things to help them understand the details before they assume, you know, it's another muffin or donut. That's the part I love. It's challenging 
but it's fun because once you kind of explain the entity that is what you've created, it makes a whole lot more sense why it costs what it costs. It's your health. It's helping you prevent going to the doctor. It's helping get down your blood sugar. It's helping, you know, maintain your protein intake or caloric intake that you need. It's these things are all important. And it's amazing that you could actually eat some food that contributes instead of eating air or eating food that actually inhibits all of this. So, you know, I do get some kickback as far as pricing. Um, but Education-wise, most of my customers are full throttle on board and recognize what we're doing before they even walk through the door. And that's really wonderful to have that. I know a lot of your your items that you sold Nature Baker were uh, almost like a meal. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they really are. I can't even like a meal replacement. Yeah, they really are. They have incredible yeah, plant-based so, protein I mean, in them. Yeah. And my argument always, like when someone says it's just so expensive, it's like, well, would you rather pay more for healthy food or be paying for all these hospital visits that you're going to have down the road? They're going to be way more miserable. I know. I mean, it's all about quality of life and, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and really eating. I mean, obviously, yeah, baked goods are kind of like, something nice to have it's not like a necessity like a lot of the plant-based foods i mean beans and rice these are things you know third world countries eat like they're not expensive so right beans yeah obviously for like baked goods yeah yeah those types (laughs) of things are going to be more expensive yeah yeah but they're great, delicious, and we love your bread, by the oh, way. Thank oh, thank you. Man. Thank you. <laughs> please don't stop making it. <laughs> oh, I, well, I'm really excited. I'm going to be working on um, sharing, by the end of the year is the goal, but sharing a lot of my secrets. And one of those will be how to make the bread. So if you guys want to follow along on that, you'll be able to make it yourself soon. <laughs> oh, great. That'll be awesome. Yeah, and Amazing. the pizza crust. Um, yeah. Well, one of the other... Yes, yes, the pizza crust is great. Um, so one of the other questions I had, your assistant, Lizette, had mentioned to us that you guys have partnered with the city of Destin before and provided them with some plant-based lunches in the past. And I was wondering, yeah. did you find that helpful to inform you know, some of these important decision makers in our community to hopefully educate people about the benefits of a plant-based diet? You know, it was, it was, it is helpful for sure. I think if anything, it just kind of opens the eyes of, of, um, how do I say this? Just helping curb the assumption that comes along with being plant-based. Um, so like in that event where we made those plant-based lunches and where we helped the community share more plant-based food, it was really successful because a lot of the responses were, wow, this actually tastes good. And it was like, yeah, you know, you, just because it's plant-based doesn't mean it has to taste not great. So that was, that was kind of where we're at with, um, you know, the city of Destin. There's support and there's willingness to try plant-based foods and there's, there's curiosity, but there's also a little bit of apprehension as to how it's really going to taste. And I really love it when we can surprise people and it's like, wow, that was better than what I usually would have had. It's like, yeah, there's so much potential here. It's just a matter of giving it a chance. 
Um, and I, so I think the education through actual taste testing is step one because that just helped curb, it helps curb the preconceived notion that plant-based food is, is never going to taste as good as non-plant-based food, you know? Yes. What, what were some of the things you made for them? Uh, well, we love making the cinnamon rolls. That's a win mm-hmm. for sure. And that went over really well. And then we had the muffins, of course. It was more so a breakfast breakfast items. So it was the muffins, the cinnamon oh, okay. rolls. Yeah. <laughs> the lunches, I think we did one time our pizzas, which went over really well with the French onion soup pizzas. But once again, everybody oh, was like, so ooh, French onion soup pizza? This sounds different. And it's like, yep, it is different. <laughs> you know, and it's delicious. Loved it. Loved to hear, uh, you know, the outreach to the community and just having people try new yeah. things. I mean, I saw I saw another uh, just come across my timeline today. It, it pops up every now and then where the guy like uh, they're like doing kind of like a I don't know if it's a blind taste test or not. I, I watched it with the sound off, but uh, the guy like eats something that's plant based and he doesn't know that it is plant based. And it was like his favorite one out of like the ones that had meat in it and everything. And then when he found out he was it was plant based, he basically was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, it wasn't that great." You know, it's just mm-hmm. that you get, we we always have to fight this stigma, and uh, it's it stigma, makes yeah. our job even harder. Uh, yeah, it does. So a lot of people come to your uh, come to you for different reasons, um, you know, for their for allergies or health wise or whatever. Um, what are some of the reasons that people seek out your business? What are some of the main reasons? Um, is it mainly for allergens or is it for becoming plant-based too? Um, well, lately it's definitely celiac related. That is just getting more and more prevalent. Um, I'd say that's 70, 80% of the time is because it's a newfound uh, celiac disease or someone they love has celiac. Um, so that's, that's huge. Um, allergens. Yes. Uh, plant-based. Yes. Those would be the three, honestly, food allergies, celiac and plant-based. Um, occasionally I will also have diabetic, um, individuals who need some help or, uh, individuals going through cancer treatment. That's also a big one. Because, you know, sugar is not a good thing. And when you're going through treatments with cancer, you're staying away from sugar, which is what we also do in a component in our donuts. So that's really important. Um, But the majority are based off of gluten right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what do you think is causing so many of these people to have allergies? You know, I think it's twofold. I think one is that it's environmentally related. I really do. Mm. Um, I think that housing conditions with mold, especially in Florida, um, medications, infections, exposure to like pets and tobacco smoke, um, you know, those are all things that really make your body react. And it, and I, I just, I genuinely feel, and this is just my opinion, but I feel like everybody's histamines are just fired up and it's not just a food reaction. It's a whole body reaction. It's like your histamines, they may be dormant, but they're still on defense. They're ready to fight at all times. 
and the immune system's just kind of getting stressed. And, you know, we're, we're such a reactive society. We're not a preventative one, unfortunately. So it's like all these band-aids that we're, that we're grasping for to cover up our issues, it's not helping us per se, because the environment around us just continues to exasperate our bodies. So I think it's, I think our environment's a huge factor in relating to the allergies that we're finding with food. Um, but I also think that, you know, this, this isn't new. I, I have people that come and say they've been gluten-free for 15 years. Like, I think our awareness is peaking. I think that, you know, we're just not okay anymore with the status quo. And we're realizing that a lot of us are sick and we've been sick. And it's like, we're recognizing that we have to be transparent and we have to have good health. So like, it's on the front and center and people are struggling. They've been struggling, but now it's that we're aware. I think people have been struggling for years and years. Maybe more people are having food allergies, but maybe it's that more people are being open about it now and recognizing that they're not feeling good and they haven't been feeling good. So like, to me, that's, that's kind of what's going on. That's what my gut tells me. <laughs> that's a really good observation. I just thought about this, but like, think how many people like drink, binge drink and like, or have an allergy to gluten and just don't even realize it. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, yes. Hugely. That's a really good point. And even when I first realized I was allergic to to wheat back when I was trying to get pregnant, I, I cut everything out, but I forgot to cut out beer. For like three weeks, I was like, why is it not getting better? Well, in your mind, it's totally (laughs) separate. And my mom was like, you can't yeah. drink beer. Beer has wheat. And I was like, what? You know, like these are things you just don't realize. <laughs> <laughs> so once I cut that out, things got better quickly. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, that's such an obvious fact. And I think there's there's gluten in everything. So it's like, mm-hmm. you, where do you start? There's gluten in your facial products, <laughs> you know? There's gluten in soy sauce. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, oh yes. Gosh. Yes, girl. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh man. Yeah. So yeah, that awareness has to be more prevalent. And the only way it can be is to continue trusting people and sharing, sharing growth and knowledge. We realize that, I mean, I'm not a full-blown celiac or anything, but like I have an allergy to it for sure. Because Mm -hmm. when I, whenever I eat gluten, I'll snore. And so it's definitely like inflate, inflaming my uh, nasal passages and it yeah. kind of bloats me out too. So um, yep, the combination of those two, I, I try yeah. to avoid it as much as I can. It's crazy. I tried to take, there's some uh, little, uh, it's from the now brand, like vitamin type deals. It, I think it just has a bunch of, uh, what would that be like bacteria and stuff? And it's supposed to help you digest it, but it didn't help with my snoring at all. So I guess it didn't really <laughs> help too yeah. much. But if I'm going to eat, sometimes I just want to have something with gluten in it. So uh, <laughs> I I mean, I'll, I'll try to use that. But uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, in the last couple, I've only tried it like twice. And one of the times I definitely did snore. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't how know. interesting. It's weird. It's weird. 
Yeah. Well, I've heard people with gluten allergies can go over to Europe and eat gluten and they won't suffer from the same side effects as we do over here. You know, do you know why that might be? I mean, could it have something to do with the pesticides they're putting on the crops here? Um, well, you know, yes, yes, there's such, I hear it all the time. All my customers are like, if they go to Italy, they can eat whatever they want. When they come back here, they're sick for weeks. So, and the same with wine. You know, my husband, he will get a raging headache if he has wine from California. If he has wine from Italy, there's no problem. So it's like, why? Right. Um, I think I, I've been asked this question a lot. So I've come up with a few hypotheses. I'm obviously not a scientist or whatever, but, um, you know, one thing I know about Europe, my grandmother's from Switzerland and my whole family's from Europe. But, you know, in Europe, they still till. Um, they still till the crops. Um, it's not something that we do here anymore. We're really reduced on tillage um, or no tillage at all. And so conventional tilling, that that doesn't require pesticides, right? So like if you, if you conventionally till ground, which is a lot more labor and a lot more work and a lot less um, financially supportive, if you will, you, you're breaking up the ground, you're digging it up, you're getting all the weeds out without using a weed killer, essentially. So it's like the old school way of prepping your land for planting. Versus in the United States, the quick and easy way is to spray all the land and it kills all the weeds and you mm -hmm. don't have to till the earth. So like, I think a huge part of, you know, no-till farming is that it requires a, a more considerable use of pesticides and pesticides are frowned upon in Europe. So like many pesticides are still widely used here at the level of like tens to hundreds of millions of pounds annually. Whereas in Europe, they are banned. They are banned. So like, in my opinion, our, crap, our crops are just contaminated. They're contaminated. If you take like the, the weed killer Roundup or glyphosate, you know, the amount that they apply since the 1970s has increased a hundredfold in the United States. And this is Roundup we're talking about. And I know that it's hard to know. It's hard to know how bad it is for you because there's so many different, different analyzers out there. But if you follow who, for example, they're going to say that it's, that it causes cancer versus the EPA where they're going to say it's not, it doesn't cause cancer and it's not, it's not harmful. So like, there's just really mixed information out there. But I personally feel that, yes, pesticides are a huge contribution to our allergies. And it's just another example of the way that our environment is firing up our histamines and we are reacting to more and more things. Because like, you know, a histamine, essentially, when it first reacts to something, it's kind of on guard. But if you keep coming back, it will be, it'll have its boxing gloves on. It'll be ready to punch anything that comes in its way because now it's irritated and it thinks that you're under attack. So if something like glyphosate is in everything you're eating residually and your histamines take that as an attacker, now you're going to be reacting to 
any any kind of veggie because it's the glyphosate that the histamines are reacting to, not necessarily the vegetable itself. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. and it's getting so, into the water runoff and all that. Kind exactly, of stuff. exactly. So like, and all these contrasting statements aren't helping us decide whether it's bad or not. You know, but the writing's on the wall. If I can go to Europe and eat five bowls of pasta and not be sick for six weeks straight, then there's something to be said about that. What is it? And to me, everything starts with the land. Everything starts with where you're growing it from. That's so upsetting. You know, (laughs) all you want to do is just pick up a piece of fruit and be okay. And, you know, know. now you have to make sure it's organic. And sometimes even organic, I'm hearing, is sprayed. I mean, it's just... Yeah. Yeah, and also the packaging. (laughs) It's like, even if it's organic, what is the packaging it's in? Because plastics is a whole other conversation we could have. So, yeah, I feel like, unfortunately, I feel like we're all going to have to regress significantly, find regenerative farmers, support them, and start rebuilding the food wheel. Truly. Yep. And, and 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 that's very very difficult buy local to do. As much yeah. As you can. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. difficult to do. And and I mean, you know, we are a big moving ship that makes very slow turns. So you just have to, you have to have a community to rely on. Bottom line. I mean, I'm, I may be wrong on this. I'm pretty sure it's correct, though. But I think once pesticides are on uh, sprayed on a farm, I think it's the soil's contaminated for at least 20 years. Like oh that's just God. like an initial spray. But that's, I mean, it could be worse than that. Um, mm. I, I just know I've seen yeah, that 20 sounds, years at least. That sounds right. That's so, insane. It's very, very sad. Yeah, <laughs> very it sad is very, very sad. That's another thing. I mean, if you're eating organic, sometimes you might not know if that soil was possibly yeah. used with pesticides, you know, 10 years ago. I mean, you just never know yeah. that. I mean, I'm always choose to eat that just because, I mean, it's better. At it's least. the best option. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least yeah. you're, you think At you're least. doing something. Yeah. <laughs> My big thing, you know, that I tell people is you vote with your dollars, though. The more people that hear about these things, the more people we can get people educated, the more they can go out and buy those organic foods and buy local and show, you know, these this government, like, this is what we care about. We care about being healthy and giving our body nutrients that it needs not these chemicals that you keep putting on all our our clothes our food everything yeah well i think that i think that we will be listened to if we continue to practice more educated purchasing decisions you know because that that is one way money does speak when it comes to production yeah. It may cost more for more us, but supporting like the you. local farm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, helping people who need it. I mean, I Thank just, you. I yeah. really admire what you do for people. It's incredible. Thank you. Thank you so much for saying that, Jessica. It's just one of those things, you know, I can't help it. I cannot help it. So mm-hmm. it helps me. 
(laughs) Well, we really appreciate your time today. Um, And we wish you the best of luck with everything with Nature Baker. And if you you wouldn't mind uh, just letting our audience know where they can find you if you want to be reached. And if you have any Mm -hmm. last remarks you want to make before we close this out, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, you guys, for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, And, you know, if anybody wants to find me, I would say the best way to find me is just to email me. Um, I'm really responsive to email Darcy at naturebaker.com. Or you can find me on Instagram or Facebook. My handle is naturebaker and I respond personally to all of my direct messages. So um, I'd love to start a conversation with you there. Or you can visit naturebaker.com. We are currently transitioning our website um, to provide more personal and direct services. So I'm really excited to do that. And if you follow along, you're going to get lots of free information soon. So yeah, those would probably be the best three ways to keep in touch with me. And I there's not a stranger in my world. So please feel free to... F- reach out whenever with any questions you may have because I'm I'm definitely here and ready to answer them. So how do you spell nature baker? Oh yes, yeah. so it's things. German. Yes, yeah, so there's no e in nature. So that's nature baker is actually the pronunciation, but I never tell people that. So it's n a t u r b a k e r. Nature baker. So that use that when you uh, want to email for her yes. or uh, Mm-hmm. Darcy at nature. And that's Darcy I E, not Y. Yes. D A R C I E. Well, great. Was there any last uh, remarks you wanted to make or is that No, I just thanks so much, you guys. I really, really enjoyed talking with you today. And thank you for doing what you do. Seriously, keep it up. Thank you for everything you do and the wonderful bread that you make. We need to get some more bread, don't we? That I have a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> she, it's my she's pleasure. upset at me she's upset at me because I'm eating it all you guys are funny Aww. well thanks you guys have a beautiful day and, and I hope we get to chat again soon yeah um, thank you thanks for listening to Plant Based Liberty Podcast <laughs>